Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. Today, we're in Romans, and we're going to reread a little bit of chapter 3, but we're going into chapter 4. I want to start the reading today in chapter 3, verse 27, and then we're going through chapter 4, verse 4 for today. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man, a person, he means, is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. That's verse 28. I suggest you might want to highlight that. It's very very important that we understand this is his conclusion, and he's built the case for it. But he continues on. Verse 29. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Now, I want to stop here for just a moment. He's not saying that all roads lead to God and that anything that the Gentiles believe, they're all believing in the same God. That's not what he's saying here. But he is saying that God is the Savior of all. Anybody who will believe, he saves both circumcised and uncircumcised, Jew or Gentile, by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he's established up until this point, and that's what he's saying here. Verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. And we dealt with this particular section quite a bit yesterday in the last episode, so I'm going to continue now in chapter 4. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works... The wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So let's get into this today. So in chapter 3, verse 27 through 31, Paul established very clearly that the law does not save anybody. Its purpose, we saw through the last several episodes, was to point to the one who does save, and that is Jesus. We've seen that in several of the last episodes as we've looked into the Old Testament and we've shown the connection in the book of Hebrews as well. So he's telling us here that all, whether you're Jew or Gentile, the only way you're justified is by faith in Jesus Christ. And we talked about what true faith is. We're going to look at that a little bit more as we move into chapter 4. So in chapter 4, now Paul is going to prove his point 
by using two of the greatest examples in Judaism, two of the greatest examples of the Jewish people from their heritage, from their ancestry, from their history, and prove through both of these that justification is by faith alone in God's promise and in God's promised Messiah, period. And he's going to establish that very clearly in chapter 4. And we're going to look at the first of these two examples today. The first example is who's considered to be the founder of our faith, and that is Abraham. Both Jews and Gentile believers in Jesus Christ understand that Abraham is the founder of our faith. The Abrahamic covenant is the basis for both Judaism and Christianity. And let's take a look at that. Abraham is the father of the, the Jew and the Gentile believer. He's the father of the Jewish people, but he's also the father of Jew and Gentile Christians, all because of faith. Now, to understand that much more clearly, you need to get into Galatians chapter 3. And Paul establishes that very clearly and very soundly through his logical argument found in Galatians chapter 3. And I've taught on that in other episodes and, and so forth. Abraham, what he's telling us here is Abraham doesn't have any works that he can boast on. There were no works that saved Abraham. None at all. Matter of fact, let's look at Abraham. He was a pagan man in Ur of the Chaldees, involved in what everybody else there was involved in, and that was a bunch of idolatry and sin and wickedness. But God chose him. God saw something in Abraham. God chose sovereignly. This man spoke to him while he was still in Ur of the Chaldees, and that's proven in Genesis and by Stephen in Acts chapter 7. So while he was still living there, God speaks to him. Now, God is the only living God. Abraham was living in an area that worshipped many gods. They were pantheists, and they had all kinds of gods and idolatries going on. And Abraham was a part of that culture, but God sovereignly chose him, and he encountered the one true living God the God who speaks, the God who hears, the God who we can have a relationship with. This is the God, the sovereign God that chose Abraham while he was a Gentile involved in wickedness and idolatry and other things, I'm sure, in Ur of the Chaldees in a pagan land. And God called him out. You know, we also know that Abraham wasn't perfect even after that because we know in Genesis he lied on two different occasions to try to protect himself or his wife and, and get his way. He, he flat out lied. We also know that he tried to help God out after God gave him the promise of a son, and that's the whole Hagar issue that we read about in Genesis chapter 16. 
So what Paul is telling us here is that to the one who has works, if there were works that could save someone, then the wages, it wouldn't be an act of God's grace. It would be pay. It would be a payment. In other words, he'd be indebted to pay. You know, it's, it's kind of like you work your job. You go to your job every week or every day or whatever, and your employer then has to fulfill his obligation. And whatever hours you've worked, he has to pay you for those hours. It's a debt. He's obligated to do that. And so that's what Paul is saying here. If it was works that would save someone, then God's grace would be nullified. It wouldn't be about grace. But he's proving to us through Abraham and through the second example we'll get into later, he is proving to us that it is God's beautiful grace. Grace, as we mentioned a few days ago, has been defined by some, or at least the acronym has been spoken by some as being God's riches at Christ's expense. God's grace is what saves anybody, and it's all through faith. And you can see that again in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It's all about God's grace working on our behalf through simple faith. So Abraham is the father of our faith because he had faith. Let's look at this again, verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. We've seen in an earlier episode about what this word believed or faith is really talking about. And it's being convinced, absolutely persuaded and convinced, relying solely on God's promise entirely and resting in that. This is the kind of faith that Abraham had. Now, this quote that Paul uses here is directly from Genesis 15, which we will look at in a moment. And it says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted. That would be the same word as imputed. In other words, it was accredited to his account, reckoned as given to him, credited to his account, similarly to you know, if you have a savings account in a bank or something like that and, and it draws a little interest, they credit interest to your account. So this is kind of what it's talking about. In other words, imputed is to ascribe or attribute to someone. It's accounted to him. And there's two witnesses in the New Testament that confirm to us this absolute truth about Abraham. Now, why is that important? One of the things that I've mentioned in several of my episodes in the past in different studies and so forth is the Deuteronomy 19 principle God established and he operates by. And that is that the mouth of two or three witnesses is what always establishes something. And one of the ways to keep out of error in belief and erroneous believing and theologies is to understand that things are confirmed in the scriptures when they are true. 
And so we have two witnesses in the New Testament that attest to this fact. One of them is Paul here in Romans chapter 4, but also in Galatians chapter 3, which I referenced earlier. And the other one is James, the half-brother of Jesus. And I want to read to you where this is recorded. I want to begin reading in James chapter 2, verse 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. What James is telling us here is how true faith will always include obedience in concurrence with that trust. True faith includes obedience and trust. And he references the binding of Isaac. He references Genesis 22 to prove that point. Now, he's not saying that Abraham was justified by those works. He's saying, just like God is saying here, that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. But because that belief was real, there was evidence in Abraham's works. It came through and he proved that he had true faith by being willing to give the sacrifice of Isaac if he had to go through with that. Now, we'll talk about that in a moment because God despises human sacrifice. It is an abomination to him. So never would God have allowed Abraham to go through with that. The Bible clearly tells us that that was a test of Abraham's faith to prove what was true about it. It was to prove that it was, in fact, true and sincere faith. And we find more evidence of that by the author of Hebrews. Let's read in Hebrews chapter 11. I want to read a few verses out of this chapter. This is known by some to be the hall of faith or the heroes of our faith, however you want to call it, the hall of fame of, of faith. And I want to read verse 8 through 10, and then I want to jump down to 17 through 19. Verse 8 of Hebrews 11. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Jump down to verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up 
even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So what he's saying there is when when Abraham was tested with Isaac in Genesis 22, Abraham's faith was so solid that if Isaac had died, God was going to raise him back up because God said it was in Isaac that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And Abraham recognized the deadness of his own body, that it was a miracle he had Isaac to begin with. It was God's doing to begin with. And so God was well able to see to Isaac's care. And we see that even evidenced by the name that that Abraham calls God during this episode in Genesis. So let's look at Genesis in a couple of places to see a little more about the faith that Abraham had that was accounted to him for righteousness and what the Bible tells us about it in the book of Genesis. So the first place I'm going to read is Genesis chapter 12. And I want to read verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Stephen concurs and tells us, affirming and attesting that this happened prior to him leaving Ur of the Chaldees. And so it says, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that promise is still true today. And that is the best foreign policy statement for any nation on the face of the earth. If you bless Israel, you will be blessed. If you curse or make light of Israel, that's what the word means, then you will be cursed. God will turn it back on you in manifold measure. That's the best foreign policy that any nation in the earth can adopt. It all depends on how you treat God's people, Israel. Verse 4 of chapter 12, I want you to note this. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Notice this. Abram, when he received this promise and this call from God, his faith is proven because he immediately obeyed. Do you see? That's the whole point of what James was saying. Faith and obedience are inseparable. They go together and they are included. True faith has proper action, period. And so Abram departed. He obeyed the Lord's voice when he received it and when he heard it. Then let's jump over to Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you've given me no offspring. 
Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he, meaning God, said to him, meaning Abraham, So shall your descendants be. Verse 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he, meaning God, accounted it to him for righteousness. So this is where the quote came from Romans that we just read in Romans chapter 4. Abram believed what God said. He didn't understand when it was going to be fulfilled, how it's going to be fulfilled. And then in the very next chapter, we see that he and Sarah come up with this scheme to try to help God out. They think God needs help because it's been a little while and God hasn't acted yet. And so they got kind of impatient and thought, well, we can we can help God out here and bring this promise to pass. And it wasn't what God wanted. That wasn't it. So now we see, if you come over and you read in Genesis 17, after the incident with Hagar, you will see how God renewed the covenant to Abram and gave the sign of the promise, which is circumcision or the bris, the brit malah. And then you see in Genesis 21 how miraculously Isaac is born. Notice this, 25 years later, after God had originally given the promise. Beloved friend, we need to understand that when God gives a promise, it's true and it's alive however long it takes for the fulfillment to come. The proof of that, a a major proof of that, is the promise that was issued out of the mouth of the Lord in Genesis 3.15 that was approximately 4,000 years later when Messiah was born in Bethlehem. And over that 4,000 years, God gave more details about that promised one that was coming. But the promise itself wasn't fulfilled for 4,000 years. The promise was still alive the entire time. It was simply waiting on its perfect time. And Paul tells us that in the book of Galatians as well. So this promise was alive. And 25 years later, Isaac is born. Then we come to Genesis chapter 22 for today's reading. And I'll be closing out here with this. In Genesis 22, we see Abraham's faith being tested, put to the test to prove the sincerity and genuineness of it. That's what this was all about. God despises human sacrifice. They are an abomination to him, and he will have none of it. And God was never going to allow it to go through, and he knew that. He knew what Abraham would do. He knew the outcome. And this whole experience in Genesis 22 can be considered the gospel in Genesis. And I did a a teaching on that for Holy Week, I believe. It was either a Holy Week teaching or it was a 
Passover Passion teaching, but in one of those, both of those were kind of in the resurrection time period whenever I was doing a series of special messages. And there's one called the Gospel in Genesis, and it's all about the picture of the cross and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ shown all the way back in Genesis, in Genesis 22. So this was, in one way, God proving and preaching the gospel to Abraham here through this whole experience, as well as testing his faith. So this is called, to the Jewish people, they recognize it as the binding of Isaac. It was a picture of the gospel in the sense that an innocent animal, an innocent, would be in place of the individual. And so we find out that there's a substitute ram that Abraham sees, and that is what's sacrificed instead of the person. Hallelujah. And so we see this as even proven by what we read in Hebrews. This is a test of Abraham's faith, and Abraham's faith stood the test. Do you see? Abraham was called upon to give back to God the very promise from which all the nations of the earth would be blessed. God had already told him that, and Abraham believed that. So when Abraham's going up this mountain with Isaac, Abraham is like, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand this, but but even if you got to raise him from the dead, you made a promise to me, and I know you're faithful to keep your word. That's the kind of faith that Abraham had and, and was exhibited through this test. And we know that to be true because of what God tells him after he passes the test. God provides the substitute ram, and Abraham even says, Let's look, let's read it, beginning in verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns, by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, or Yahweh Yireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And in the mount of the Lord salvation was provided. The substitute ram came some 2,500 years later or whatever it was, 3,500 years later, when Jesus was offered on Mount Moriah, Mount Calvary, Golgotha, in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, God provided the substitute for all people, for all time, who will simply believe in him and put their faith in him, just like Abraham was our example of doing. God provided and proved himself faithful. And I want you to see how God gave a special reward to Abraham in verse 15 through 18. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven, and this is the Lord himself that's calling out, and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, 
Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and, and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Do you see? When we prove our faith, when we stand the test, whatever it is, and truly have that genuine faith like Abraham had in the Lord, he blesses. Notice this, blessing I will bless you. In other words, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to pour it upon you. It's going to be exponential blessings coming to you. Because he had not withheld anything from the Lord. But his faith was proven by his actions. Abraham is a beautiful proof to us of faith in action. I pray that we will follow suit ourselves in that same way and believe God's promise. And if we will do the same thing that Abraham did, if we will believe God's word and believe his promise and receive Jesus, by faith and fully trusting in his finished work on the cross, his sacrifice to pay the debt for our sin, then we too will receive that blessing like Abraham did. God will bless us and grant to us eternal life. Hallelujah. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.